Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 33 of Points and Penalties. We'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh, and with me are my co-hosts Peter, Jesse, and Kevin. Kevin, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking Alpine. Uh, it's made out of, uh, well, it's made from Moosehead. You know, decent can can use a little work. It's a bit bland, but <laughs> all in all, it's fine so far. Pedro. How's your drink? I think I would call the can minimalist, Kev. My bad. It's very intentional. You just get. <laughs> I am drinking a Danforth Brewery Viaduct IPA. Uh, it's a citrusy beer. It is 6%. And so far, pretty good. Citrusy beers are uh, sometimes a bit hit and miss, but this one's pretty good. Jesse, what are you drinking? I am drinking Raked Over by Wellington Brewery. It is an IPA with mango, pineapple, and habanero. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's something. It's a little spicy, and it, it, it's spicy in the percentage as well. It's six point nine. Bring the heat, but it actually is uh, pretty hot because of the habanero. But first couple sips, taking a little bit to go down, but I'll, I'll get used to it. <laughs> Yosh, what are you having? Well, boys, I take the cake again this week. It's been, a couple, it's been a couple of weeks, I guess, other than that bottle of wine. But Hey, let's not forget last week. Yeah. Champion was. <laughs> what did you have, a four and a half? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, my beer is called Binary System Double IPA. It's from Sawdust City Brewing Company, which is in Gravenhurst. It is an 8.5% strong beer. Jesus. It is fucking strong. And my first reaction was, what the fuck is this? <laughs> now that I've had a handful of drinks here, it, uh, you know, it's uh, growing on me a little bit more, but it's fucking strong, boys. It's hoppy as fuck. And uh, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'd get this one again for the alcohol content. The rest. Just you know, to win the, the yeah, percentage. Just, exactly. <laughs> But we'll have to see. We'll see how it goes down the rest of the way. So, big week in sports this week, guys. It all starts with the NFL coming back. What do we got going on, Jess? Well, NFL started on Thursday night with the Bucks and the Cowboys. Tom Brady in the beats the Cowboys with a late second field goal, 31 to 29. Now, if you watch this game, it was pretty, pretty good, I found. Uh, lots of back and forth. Uh, Brady dominated as per usual, 32, 50, 379 yards, four TDs and two picks. Uh, both those picks, I don't think are his fault. The one was off the hands of Fournette and it bounced right into the, I forget the, uh, Dallas Cowboys guy, but yep. It went right into his hands. And then the other one was just a Hail Mary at the end of the half. So he was just trying to get a touchdown. I don't really concede that against him. So he did really well, even though he had those two picks. And then he also got his 49th game-winning drive there. That's third still behind Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. We're both retired, as we know. And this was his 300th regular season start in his 22-year career. Uh, He joins Drew Brees as the only other players to throw 300-plus yards in 100 games, which is pretty impressive. They've been around forever. Some other uh, notables from this game where it was AB. He, I think he's back to his old self. 
five receptions for 121 yards, one TD. Godwin did pretty good himself, nine receptions for 105 yards and one TD. And Gronk, he is back, two TDs with eight catches and 90 yards. Now, Dak is also back. <laughs> I did not think he was going to be as good as he was because I know that there was a shoulder strain in, in uh, the preseason there. But it looks like it didn't really affect him that much. The ball fluttered a little bit, but didn't affect him playing at all. So he had he went uh, 42 for 58 and 403 yards, three TDs and one interception. And again, this was not on him. It was off the hands of CeeDee Lamb. So receivers need to learn how to fucking catch. <laughs> Zeke. Now, Zeke is not back to his old ways. He had a horrible game. 11 carries for 33 yards. So that's a three yard, three yards per carry, which is just god awful. And he had two receptions, two receptions for six yards, which is nothing again. But uh, Amari Cooper had 13 receptions for almost 140 yards with two TDs. So he dominated. And Lamb did pretty good as well. Even though he dropped that pass, he even seven catches for 104 yards and a TD. Now, the big thing about this game was the Bucs had four turnovers with the two interceptions plus the, I believe, Ronald Jones fumbled, and I can't remember what the other turnover was. Um, but the Cowboys had one, obviously, interception, and it seems to be what Brady does is he turnovers don't make a difference for him. He still gets the W no matter what. Now, the only thing from this game that uh, kind of soured it, which kind of pissed me off, I found, was uh, the, the controversial no call for the pass interference at the end of the game. I think there was like 24 seconds left and Godwin kind of pushed off of him. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but it's uh, I'm shocked that the flag wasn't thrown, but they were letting the guys play. Also Brady on the other end of it. So that could have had something to do with it. Yeah, for sure. I had ended up passing out by this point, but, but yeah, I would think that because Brady is on the field, it's uh, it's an easy no call for them. <laughs> It's it, it, it's just that's the only thing that's kind of sours it because then they were like right, it, it was a pretty big play at the time. Uh, I can't remember how many yards it was, but it uh, it got them the first down and it was deep into Dallas's area. And then they kicked the field goal, Ryan Suckup to win the win the game. Hey, doesn't this put Brady fifteen and four overall in regards to starts? In regards to starts. I mean, like his like openers, like game one. Oh, see, like uh, week one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, man. You tell us. You tell. Yeah, is that a statement? <laughs> I, no, I no. Like, I just saw that once that he was like fourteen and four in regards to you know his starts, and obviously this win gives him fifteen and four, which is pretty decent. I mean, just as a dominant fucker, that's all. I mean, it sounds right. Like, like I wouldn't see why he wouldn't. Obviously, he would have a winning record at that point. <laughs> he wouldn't have a losing one. Or even with four losses, is not a whole lot there. But no, no, it was a it was a great game. I really enjoyed it, and seeing hopefully there's more of those games on those Thursday nights because those are usually the the crappy night uh, for football or the bottom feeders usually play against each other. So with with Tom's 300 starts. 
I got a little stat here. His first 150 starts, he was 116 and 34 for a 70-73 average. And in his last 150 starts, he's 115 and 35, so a 767 uh, average or win percentage. So it looks like he's just falling off of just a tick, but uh, <laughs> this man is still pretty fucking good, man. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, like you would think it would kind of run off a little bit with the age at least, but yeah, but like uh, barely one, one win. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to move on to the Ravens who've been decimated by injury this week. Uh, they ended up signing uh, Levante Murray, Devontae Freeman, and Levon Bell. Those, those guys now, Devontae Freeman and Levon Bell, I believe, are off his practice squad. I don't know if that's changed yet. I think they'll probably be putting them up and onto the 53 man roster because they need guys because they got, because Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards, who was supposed to replace JK Dobbins this week. Uh, they went out, I believe with both ACLs, which uh, sucks, especially for Peters. Cause he's an all pro and he's, I think he has like the most like uh, turnovers, uh, for whenever he was drafted in the league. So that, that's a huge loss to that Baltimore defense. LJ, LJ Fort, like he's just an inside linebacker. I think he ruptured his Achilles. He's out as well. And then Justice Hill, uh, I can't remember what happened to him, but he was another uh, one of those running backs that would um, help, help the guys out, which now he can't. I also got Nick Boyle, uh, Rashad Bateman on there and Miles Boykin, who are receivers. Well, Nick Boyle is tight end, but uh, Rashad Bateman and Miles Boykin are receivers. So they're going to be down a couple of receivers. They are on the injured reserve, uh, but I believe they're supposed to come back. I think it's like a three week uh, injury reserve. So the Ravens will be tested here or tomorrow night against the Ra- uh, Raiders. And I'm a, uh, I'm hoping they pull out a win because I'm actually pretty pulling for the Ravens this year. I thought they were going to be pretty good, but with all these injuries, they're just decimated. It's going to be a tough, that, that'll be a tough division for sure. The way we saw Pittsburgh and uh, even Cleveland play, Cleveland kind of blew it at the end in their game today, but uh, both looked pretty good in the first, first bit. I mean, Pittsburgh looked pretty good the whole way through. So um, it'll be an interesting uh, division for sure. Yeah. Like, so what happened was Pittsburgh, beat the Bills, which I did not see coming. Me either. Even the Bengals, too. Like, they look like they were pretty fucking good today, too, so... Yeah, but it was... It's also the Vikings, too, so... <laughs> Fair enough, but I, I, that's going to be a pretty uh, tough division this year, for sure. <coughs> mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> After the games today. <laughs> yeah, let's see. I bet you it'll be a really tight division. It'll be tight. But they won't be good. Well, you only need to be the fucking best one out of those four. So, you know, it's going to be like the NFC East. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> uh, the Ravens also signed uh, Mark Andrews to a four year deal, $56 million extension. The $14 million average salary makes uh, Andrews the third highest paid tight end in the NFL behind San Francisco's. George Kittle and Kansas City's Travis Kelsey. So after those two, I think the next 
best uh, tight end is probably Waller. And then maybe Andrews is there because he's been pretty good for the most part with uh, since he was drafted in 2018. And he was going to be a free agent at the end of this year. So it was a good thing that they, they locked him up. And hopefully he can stay healthy. Now, did you guys hear about the, um, an ex-Raven, uh, Justin Banahan, that got found guilty on four counts of uh, attempted murder? He can actually do up to 16 to 48 years in, in state prison. So we could actually be looking at uh, one of the live versions, or could be, of the longest yard. He was actually uh, convicted uh, or had this happen to him in 2019, shot uh, a lady in the shoulder. Yeah, it's a 36-year-old um, Ashley Marine. She's an acu, like she does acupuncture, and I guess he owned the building and was in her facility or her, her room and shot her in the shoulder and found some uh, booger sugar and a rolled-up $20 bill. So the guy's going to do some serious time. I've never heard of that player, to tell you the truth. But... <laughs> He played for uh, five teams. I think they said the Bills drafted him. Then he went to the Ravens, Broncos twice, the Rams, and Detroit Lions. You should know a Rams player, Jesse. Come on. Yeah. I have no recollection of this guy. He played for the Rams in 2011. Oh, well, that's way long ago. Yeah, I mean, the guy's old. I mean, he's been retired out. But, I mean, as uh, concussions and such happens, that's what he's putting his most uh, – in court, in regards to the, he was insane because of the uh, head injuries, but the, the guy's, yeah, the guy's going to definitely do some serious time. Well, maybe there will be a longest yard for him. Yeah, man, you may get something going. It's a state prison, so I'm sure they got some, you know, state football uh, guards that play. So it'll be interesting. So, another big guy that got paid, Josh's favorite play, defensive player, T.J. Watt, yeah. is now the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL after signing a four-year, $112 million extension. $80 million of that is guaranteed, which is unheard of for Pittsburgh to do this. That's like the one thing Pittsburgh does is they don't, they don't sign guys for, to a lot of guaranteed money. Cause I want to get rid of them real like quickly. And uh, TJ Watt got this. So I think it's like over 70% of the, of his, his extension is guaranteed, which is awesome for him. Great for everyone there uh, in Pittsburgh. Cause now everyone's going to get this. And he's a great player. So it shores up their defense for a bunch of years. Well, that's the thing too, is they were thinking they're going to maybe play the stupid franchise tag game again mm-hmm. kind of like what they did with Levon Bell which didn't work out for them but I guess I guess it did because they didn't end up paying him he, he was shoddy anyways mm-hmm. after they, he left the Steelers so yeah he is paid he's gonna be paid a annual salary of 28 million dollars a season yeah, it exceeds Joey Bosa's and uh, Los Angeles Chargers at 27 million. And then we're going to move on to the number one overall pick. Now, I had anticipated that he would win this because this guy has never lost a regular season game in his life, going back to high school, college, 
And in the NFL, his first game, he loses. Not only does he lose, but he loses to the Texans. And they've been trading away players left, right, and center. They don't have Deshaun Watson playing. They got Tyron Taylor leading this team. And they beat them badly. Like the score ended up being 37 21, but a lot of that, the points for the Jags was in garbage time. It was not the best receiving for Urban Meyer. So, Peter, I'm pretty sure you're happy about that. Uh, 0 1. Yeah. <laughs> But retire now and I'll be right. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully they'll rebound uh, later on this season because that was that was bad against that kind of team because they that team's like falling apart, just selling off all its stock and everything. But they still came together and beat the snot out of the Jags. So we decided to do points and penalties, locks of the week. Now, Peter had the Titans over the Cardinals. Kevin had the Falcons over the Eagles. I had the Vikings over the Bengals. And Josh had went with the Pack over the Saints, as per his usual, going with his team's division rival. <laughs> so, lucky for all our loyal listeners, these picks won't come out live until after the games have happened. So, you don't need to take our advice for betting because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were awful. Tennessee got owned by Murray. Murray went off like crazy today at five TDs total, four passing, one rushing. And then Chandler Jones uh, got five sacks in this game, tying the franchise record set by Hassan Riddick last year. And he had three in the first quarter. This guy's an animal. So having J.J. Watt there has really helped out Chandler Jones. Like, he was always a great great player there in Arizona. And now with J.J. there, like, he's going to even have less attention. And the Titans suck because they just got destroyed pretty badly. (laughs) They were supposed to be in this game. They were favorites to win. And it was was pretty bad. Kevin's Falcons shit the bed, too. Got destroyed by Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Uh, Hertz was actually pretty good 22 for 34, 264 yards and three TDs. Miles Sanders was pretty good in there too 15 carries for 74 yards, four receptions, and 39 yards receiving. And Matty Ice, oh, he was cold, all right. 21 for 35, 164 yards, no TDs or interceptions. He was boring. That game was like, you know, penalty filled. It was disgusting. I mean, it was just, I think there was just too many penalty calls on both sides of this game. It was just gross. I was done and I started watching a Buffalo Bill. I was the penalties because both teams fucking cheated a bunch or because the refs are idiots. Offsides. I mean, you know, illegal formations. So you know, cheating. I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, it was just stupid. I mean, 15-yard penalties, 10-yard penalties, 5-yard penalties. It's just... Well, legit penalties, though. They're not yeah. They're yeah. not like the refs are idiots and just no. called a bunch of... No. Well, they're two they're... rookie coaches, too, so you're yeah. bound to probably have a bunch of penalties in those. Yeah. Peter, do you want to examine on why Titan C sucks so much? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, could have started with not being able to get uh, Derrick Henry going. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a big start to their uh, their woes on offense. You can't get him going. Yeah, I checked his stats at one point in the game, and he had a .8 average per carry. Nice. That's not going to do it. It's even worse than Zeke's. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where he ended the game at, but that was his line when I checked. So, no good. Call it rust. Come back next week. <laughs> so I had the Vikings over the uh, Bengals, and this was the closest game out of all of them. Uh, Minnesota ended up losing an OT to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Kirk Cousins had a big game. Uh, he, he rallied his team back. Uh, I can't remember the score that they were down, but I, it was over 10 points, I believe. And... He went 36 of 49 for 351 yards and two TDs, no interceptions. And then Adam Thielen had a pretty good game with nine receptions, 92 yards, and two TDs. And then Burrow and the Bengals decided to ruin everything. Burrow went 20 for 27, 261 yards, two TDs, and Joe Mixon lit it up back from last year when he was just I think he was injured a lot of last year and he missed out a, bu- a lot of games, but he came back uh, 127 yards on the ground and a TD and then four receptions for 23 yards. And Jamar Chase, the rookie, top rookie drafted, went uh, five receptions for 101 yards and a TD. I also want to say that a lot of the top uh, rookie receivers in this draft did pretty good. I believe all of them scored a touchdown today. Waddle and uh, Devontae Smith in the Falcons getting killed. Challenge. I don't think Waddle got one. As I'm watching the highlight right now. Fuck! (laughs) Is that him? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It was too. (laughs) Oh, fuck. That sucks. I was like, because I had it on my, the guy on my fantasy team used bench points, obviously, because I wasn't starting him. But, but it said TD. I'm like, oh no, was it like called back? <laughs> and, and you know what? I saw a stat earlier that said he only had like 53 yards or something. And I thought that was after, like after the game. So that's why I challenged him. Fuck. Ah, there you go. Come on, Yosh. Don't just fucking give away points like that. Why not? Especially at, to Jesse. At least not to Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. But yeah, it was, it was pretty great for the rookie receivers because it's been kind of hit and miss ever since the Odell Beckham draft when like everyone from that draft was a uh, really good uh, rookie receiver that year. So it's good to see these guys take off right away. Probably because they had a preseason compared to the guys last season. And Josh, you had the Packers. Division rival to the Bears over the Saints. You might as well pick the fucking Yankees to win the World Series, man. Jeez. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe I will. <laughs> yeah, so they got dominated today in Jacksonville by the Saints. A-Rod was, looked awful out there. Just terrible. A-Rod in Florida, man. We talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, he sucks in Florida. See, I never knew that. Yeah, but, uh, apparently that was a, a reason that the Saints chose Florida. 
was because he just he's shit in Florida for whatever reason. Don't be afraid of gators. <laughs> Can't deal with the humidity down there, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So a rod through two picks. Uh, at the time when I was we before we uh, got on here, he was only had 133 yards passing. That's uh, final. I checked it, and he must have been yanked right after that because Jordan Love was five for seven, and with you know, a look at that years. controversy already. Yeah. <laughs> well, the game was over. Fuck, they lost like thirty-eight to three, so the game was already over. Why bother chancing hurt hurting fucking Rogers? Oh, I'm so. trying to I'm trying to get some controversy in here already. <laughs> Winston, the guy that went thirty for 30, 30 touchdowns and thirty interceptions. Uh, through five touchdown passes. Any picks? Uh, at the time, there was none. Wow. So, like, like, he's usually good for, like you said, if he throws five TDs, he's usually good for five fucking picks. So. Yeah. Well, I think Green Bay would have been in the game if that was the case. Fair enough. But, yeah, we did not do well in our locks this week. Um, the Vikings game... I'll talk about it a little bit more on my penalty box because they had a chance to win this. But, Yosh, what's happening in baseball? Yeah, just before we head into the uh, to the big leagues here, just to give our listeners a little bit more uh, information on these locks of the week, we're going to uh, choose one. I guess we're going to have to do it earlier in the week, and maybe we'll just post it on social media early um, so that everybody knows what our lock is before uh, the actual games are on Sunday, because we do this uh, later in the evening. But what we're going to do is use the score uh, mobile app, and that's going to give us our spreads on the games. And our choices have to be within Jesse said four and a half, right? Yeah. Just to make it four and a half. Right. So, so if uh, you know, the Patriots are favored by seven, we can't take them as a lock of the week um, just to make it a little bit more competitive. Uh, and then, so we're now all 0-1 on this, and we'll keep uh, track throughout the whole season. We'll do one a week, and whoever has the uh, best record at the end of the season will win uh, a couple points and penalty points, and it'll trickle down. So first place will get two, uh, second place will get one, third place will get zero, and the last place person will get a minus one at the end of the regular season. And we'll figure something else out for the playoffs. Is that a guy cover that right, boys? I think so. Awesome. Just, it just also don't take any favorites because we all did that and it all backfired. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It is week one, though. What else are you going to fucking do, right? All right, into the MLB. We had a uh, big start to the week. I believe it was on Wednesday. The 2020 Hall of Fame class was inducted uh, into the hall. So we had... Four major uh, guys going in. We had Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, Ted Simmons, and Marvin Miller. Obviously, Derek Jeter being the big name here. Uh, everybody knows Derek for his leadership, for his great play defensively, his solid offensive play, and you know, even better, just a regular old you know great person. Uh, so Derek's in, enshrined this week. He has a career average of three ten, pretty fucking good. That's amazing. Over 3,400 hits, 260 home runs, and 1,311 RBIs. That's a that's a hell of a career. 
right there, just with those numbers. He's a five-time World Series champ, a 14-time All-Star, World Series MVP, AL Rookie of the Year, a five-time Gold Glover, and a five-time Silver Slugger. That is not a shabby career. They call him the captain. Uh, we talked about it last week, Pete, you and I, that they are going to, ESPN is going to be releasing a documentary uh, from the producers of The Last Dance on Jeter called The Captain, and I can't wait to see this. Uh, we, like I said, we mentioned it last week, but uh, this is just going to make it uh, even better now. Next up, Larry Walker, Canadian. Yeah. He goes into the hall. That's just the second Canadian ever. He hits a, he hit as, as sorry, as a career average of 313. He has 2,160 hits, 383 home runs. And oddly enough, the same RBI count as Jeter with 1,311. I did double check that because I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you must have copied and pasted it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, five time All Star. He was an NL MVP, seven time Gold Glover, three time Silver Slugger, and a three time MLB batting champion. And you can see why. He was voted in as well. Uh, next up, we have Ted Simmons. It's a little bit before our time. Can't probably watch this guy, but but uh, but we never did. Uh, 285 average, 2472 hits, 248 homers, and 1,389 RBIs. He was an eight-time All-Star and a Silver Slugger Award winner. And lastly was Marvin Miller, and he's an executive. Uh, there's a you know there's a, a Players Choice Award uh, that is named after him. Uh, and so on and so forth. I didn't get too much into uh, the executive thing here because I know none of you guys know who this guy is. I bet you our listeners don't. I mean, I have no fucking clue. So uh, if you if you want to know more about Marvin Miller and his Hall of Fame enshrinement, just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a guy that is going to end up in the Hall when uh, when his turn comes about is Miguel Cabrera. We spoke earlier this year, uh, and probably not not too long ago, a few weeks ago that uh, he hit his 500th career home run. Uh, he now makes more history, becoming the first Tigers player since 1961 to hit safely in nine straight plate appearances. This is the longest streak for a player 38 years or older uh, since another Tiger legend, Ty, Ty Cobb, did it in 1925. Now he has gotten out since, so this is a, this is a done, done streak here. And so Miggy has... 2,973 hits on his way to 3,000. That's 27 left. He's got 20 games left uh, prior to Sunday's games. Do you guys think with 27 hits left and 20 games that Miggy can do it this year? He's obviously going to do it. There's no question about it. He'll do it next year if he doesn't this year. But can he get, you know, 1.1 or 1.2 hits per game to finish out this season to, to get 3,000? What do you think? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm with you, Jesse. I don't think so either. I think it's more it's closer to one and a half, I think, just by my stupid brain. 27 hits in 20 games, close to 30, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, one and a half hits a game is, is a lot. Not that it's impossible, but I don't think he's going to get there this season. Like you said, next year, though. I say he does it. Why? Why just because we said he wouldn't. Yeah, that's right. That's totally and honestly, that's that's the only reasons why. But yeah, I say he does it. I mean, they, you guys are talking about how bad uh, the Jays were doing, and they counted them all out. And now look, I mean, look where we are with them. Even though we're going to get into it, but 
that's another one of the reasons why I think he does it. Right, you are there. Josh, what do you think? I'm not sure. Uh, it, it is a tall order, uh, and he plays on a not great team, so there's not much support there to help him, uh, you know, in the sense of maybe pitching around another guy to face Mickey, but um, I'm going to go with Kev. I'm going to say he does it just, just because. It'll be tough. Oh, it's going to be tough for sure. He's only hitting 263 to this year. Yeah. Which I guess isn't bad for this year, but it's, but it's not, it's not, I don't think it's going to do it for him. We shall see. We'll see. Maybe he turns it on a bit and gets two hits a game and maybe he does it either way this year or next. Uh, it'll be on one show. Definitely. No question about it. When that happens, he'll, uh, he'll definitely make the show. Another guy reaching a milestone in the big leagues, Max Scherzer. He did it earlier today. He threw his 3,000th strikeout. He's the 19th pitcher ever to reach that milestone. And that's a lot of fucking Ks. A lot of Ks. Sure. You guys think yeah. that this guy could be like, maybe it's the best trade deadline pickup like ever? Like he's been lights out for the Dodgers since going there. Like, like literally lights out. I don't think he's lost yet. <laughs> But like it's it's got to be one of the best pickups at the deadline ever. You know, For sure, to pick up pick up that kind of quality player. I mean, obviously they paid for him, but right, like they they already made huge trades already before for uh, bets and stuff like that. So this him them doing this doesn't shock me, and Scherzer playing the way he does doesn't shock me either. He's mm-hmm. He's been like this for a while, so him doing it on a better team doesn't it, it isn't a surprise. Like, yeah, he's he's really dominating now, but he's got a really good all around team around him. So for sure, that'll definitely help you get better. But one thing I like about Max is that the guy has a brown and a blue eye. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> Only you would know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to challenge that because I would have no fucking idea. What is that, Kevin? Did you at least look up what that's called? No, I didn't look up anything. I just know the guy has a brown and blue eye. I mean, oh. it's just, it's pretty decent, man. I mean, fuck me. That's awesome. <laughs> Only Kev would know the color of a guy's eyes. And... <laughs> All right, next up, Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Corbin Burns and Josh Hader combine for an MLB record ninth no-hitter. This breaks a previous record set in 1884 when pitchers started throwing overhand. So Burns through eight innings. They doing slow pitch before? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I would say probably fastball. Like when you're soft, but who knows? Kev, you were on them, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's not the same size of ball that they're playing with now, I don't think. <laughs> So Burns was in for eight innings, 14 Ks and a walk. And uh, Josh Hader finished it off with uh, the one inning pitch and two strikeouts to to, to uh, get that no hitter for Brewers. That, that's wild, too. It was against uh, the Indians, too, who I believe this is the third time they've been no hit this year. Really? Yeah. Huh. Huh, it, interesting. They've been pretty bad. Yeah, that they have. All right, and as uh, 
one of you guys alluded to earlier. I think it was Kev Blue Jays update. Yeah. You know, I've been I've been chirping these guys for fuck it feels like months that they're not gonna do anything. They're not making the wild card, and lo and behold, here they are in a fucking wild card spot. So this week they swept the Yanks. Yeah. They went three and one versus Baltimore. With a huge comeback. Massive comeback, and then they destroyed them today. It was like it was a fucking, a complete, you know, a minor league team facing a fucking World Series team. Well, that's what Baltimore is too. Like, yeah, we're, I was shocked we actually lost against them after sweeping yeah. the Yanks. Almost lost twice. Mm-hmm. Right on the verge. So the Jays currently hold wild card spot number one, tied with yeah. Boston, and we are both plus, uh, sorry, plus point five games on the Yankees. And this is uh it's gonna be an interesting finish here. It's gonna be good. And I I'm just I'm so surprised. I'm I'm happy, but I just can't believe that they have made it this far and you we know, all counted them out, is what we, we all did. did, wouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. I I gave up the week before and then they started doing good. Yeah. I think um, we all then, did. Maybe, maybe yeah. not Kev. I don't think well. Kev did. <laughs> I I think I had a little bit on the Fence off and on, but I mean, I couldn't give up my my hope of my my pick of the Jays winning it. So I mean, it just goes to show that these guys have some sick ass talent and resilient. Get there, yeah. Take the W when you get it, Kev. I'm pretty right. sure we asked you straight up, "Are you ready to mail it in your pick yet?" And you said, "No, not yet." Even though they were like fucking whatever they were nine games back of a wild card spot or something. Yeah, and I was I was saying, oh look, lots of lots of games left, lots of games left, and I gave up on them, and they started dominating. Yeah, kudos to you, Kev. I think you stuck with it. Yeah, better than those damn Yankees, right, Yosh? Yeah, the Yankees have been shit after their thirteen game winning streak. They've been fucking hot garbage. Um, which, well, whatever, it's fine. I'd rather the Jays make it, and I lose my fucking World Series pick. But yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so Vladdy Guerrero, I know we talk about this guy a lot, almost as much as we talk about Shohei. Vladdy smashed a home run on Thursday night in the ninth inning against Aroldis Chapman. It had an ex- exit velocity of 114.3 miles per hour, and that is the hardest hit home run allowed by Chapman in his career. What was his pitch? What was his? I mean, I know this guy can throw like a ball. So it was probably was, a fastball. Yeah. So if his fastball was coming in at 101, holy fuck. Yeah, I don't think it would be at 101. He doesn't throw quite as hard as he used to. But no, man, he threw 103 this year. Maybe at the beginning of the year. I, I don't I I don't know when it was, but I know he threw 103 this year. <laughs> oh yeah, well, this, guy, this guy's got a definitely cannon, that's for sure. Yeah. Like anyway, for nobody else to hit that over the course of his career, he's had a long career and there's been a yeah. lot of good hitters over that, that course of time. And for nobody else to do that, that, that uh, hard, it's, that's crazy. Even. But you, you needed them to be throwing that hard to hit it that hard. Of too. course. Sure. Yeah, of course. So it makes sense that it happened. But like you said, like, it's impressive that a young guy like Vladdy has, was able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then Vlad, with that home run, Vlad becomes the youngest Blue Jay of all time to record 100 RBIs in a season. So he did it being 22 years old, obviously this year. Vernon Wells did it in 2002 when he was 23. 
V-Dub also did it in 2003 when he was 24. And John Allroud did it in 93 when he was 24. So good company God, there. How good. I forgot how good V-Dubs was. Oh, yeah, he was good. He was on such a garbage team, though. There you go. 100%, man. 100%. But it's, uh, it's good to see that Vlad keeps – keeps dominating uh offensively and with that being said we're bringing back the triple crown watch uh he was only off the episodes here for i think two weeks and we brought him back he had dropped off a little bit and uh since then he's right back up i mean at this point we should just keep like giving the jay shit except for (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. they've been fucking dominating when we are all giving them shit they they must be part of our fan base. <clears throat> must be, yeah. Must be. So, <laughs> Vlad is second in average with 319 behind Starlin Marte with 322. He's now tied for first in home runs with Shohei Otani at 44 apiece. Ooh. And he is third in RBI with 102. He's tied with Devers and our other boy, Teoscar Devers. Hernandez. Devers, Devers, same fucking difference. <laughs> <laughs> and the leader in that category is uh, Abreu with 107. So the Triple Crown watch is back, boys. We're going to keep an eye on it. And uh, I would you love suck, to see Vladdy. this guy. I'd love to see him win this, man. That would be fucking insane. Oh, uh, yeah. But Even still... just in home runs. I thought Otani had left him in the dust, but uh, not so. No, Shohei's gonna been in a little bit of a slump as of late, home run-wise at least. I haven't yeah. really looked into his average and whatnot, but. He's definitely uh, haven't been hitting as many home runs as he has in the past. And then upcoming week. So the Jays got three against Tampa and then three in Minnesota. Uh, The Yanks are going to add these guys in here, have three versus Texas and three versus Boston. Those are big games right there. And then the Red Sox have two versus the Mets and three versus the Yanks. Again, that's a big, big series. Um, Obviously one team is going to lose. So there's going to be a drop off here of that third team in that series by the end of the week here. Hopefully the Jays can uh, get six W's or, or at least get, let's say four out of the six uh, games this year or this, uh, this week, sorry. And uh, be tough against Tampa. Yeah. I mean, if they can win one against Tampa and three against Minnesota, I'd be <laughs> happy. Right. <laughs> I don't care who they win against <laughs> unless it's the Yanks or Boston, then they have to win those ones. But. I mean, if you want to make Kevin's dreams come true, you got to learn to beat Tampa at some point, probably. That's right. I was just going to say that. I mean, if we're going to get there, we got to go by these guys. Yeah, no better time than now. That's right. Well, I guess better time would be in October, but you know what I mean. I get you. (laughs) That's pretty much going to do it for the MLB. Like I said, a big week for the Jays here and big week upcoming. Hopefully they can uh, carry on this this streak that they're on as good play and we're going to talk about uh, a couple ladies here that had some good play this week in just a second. All right. So this week's MVP is shared between uh, two young tennis Rising superstars who made a name for themselves at the U.S. Open. Leila Annie Fernandez, Canadian, and yeah. Emma Raducanu, 
who played in the finals of the U.S. Open, Raducanu winning it, both of them being under 20 years old and making it to the U.S. Open finals is unheard of, and they are both making a huge name for themselves here as teenagers. So Layla Fernandez's journey is stunning the tennis world and beyond. The Canadian is defying odds and solidifying herself in the tennis history. She has shocked even herself in her magical journey to the U.S. Open final and Emma Raducanu uh, out of Britain to capture the U.S. Open victory and the budding rivalry with Leila Fernandez and whether or not fatigue was a factor for the young Canadian remains to be determined. We'll see if she can't make a career for herself uh, and both of them for being absolutely lights out on the biggest stage. Cheers to them too for being our MVPs for this week. For sure. Cheers. 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 So just to add on to, to all this, so for Fernandez, she's the fourth Canadian in in the open era to reach a Grand Slam final. She's the first player to defeat three WTA top five players uh, at any major tournament since 2012. And her semifinal match was right before Raducanu's. So she was at that point uh, before uh, Raducanu's game, she was the lowest ranked woman, which was number 73 to reach the U S open final since 2009. But then with Raducanu making it, she then became the lowest ranked woman, which was one, she was ranked 150th to reach that open final. This is the first Grand Slam final of the century featuring two teenagers. The first men's or women's major final featuring unseated players since the open era began in 1968. They are the two of the four lowest ranked players to reach the U.S. Open final since the WTA rankings were introduced in 1975. The odds for them for winning the U.S. Open, but when the tournament started, Fernandez was 200 to one and Raducanu was 100 to one. Imagine if you put a few bucks on that. Damn. Wow. And uh, Raducanu is the first British woman to reach a major final since Virginia Wade at the at 1977 Wimbledon. Some uh, added stats there and and more milestones and accolades for these two young women. And like you said, Pete, I hope they both have long, great careers because they played great. And we, we were watching uh, some of this match uh, yesterday and Raducanu's returns were insane she hit them so hard yeah and a lot of the uh, a lot of the returns that fernandez just had nothing she couldn't she couldn't return it she didn't have enough mustard uh, to return back obviously radicano pulled out the victory and radicano didn't drop a single set which is wild that is insane yeah especially being that 150 seed like you know now she didn't have a, as hard of a way uh, hard of a path to get to the final as as Fernandez, but uh, equally impressive that she uh, made it there, not dropped a set, and uh, and bust out the win. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, Fernandez, I mean, she did have the hardest route to get there. I don't know what uh, Emma had in regards to seedings, but, I mean, it was just still, to see these two young young kids in there battling out like the way they did, it's just it's only going to bring up some, you know, greater Canadians out there or hopefully motivate some more Canadians out there to start playing tennis. As McEnroe, the, the bad boy of tennis, stated that it's not right. The Canadians can't come out here and start beating, them, beating us Americans. It's only supposed to be doing that in hockey. Yeah. Well, well, you bad boy McEnroe, we're out here to, we're out here to play. 
And it just goes to show that our young Canadians are in here and we're ready to play it out and kick some U.S. ass in tennis instead of hockey. I mean, we'll kick their ass in hockey, too. Oh, of course. But. Yeah, but he always sees stuff like that. Yeah. He's, sure he's, he kind of, he's just kind of wild. He's, 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 a, he's a bit of a goof, but he is hilarious. <laughs> some some of the stuff boy. he says. But yeah, like Josh was saying, uh, Radu Kano's return was cr- it was crazy good, really hard. And there's a, multiple times uh, Fernandez struggled, like even when she had the advantage to put it home. And she was able to return, whether it was the serve or even just like she was off her foot and it would still come roaring back at her. I think we saw that one where it was she had a pretty defensive swing and it went like sky high. And she sat underneath it because she thought it was going to go out and then had to back up and reload. And then she got smoked. It's well deserved by Raducanu, but I I still, it was a pretty good match. It was a great match, but. You know, wasn't wasn't as good as uh, Fernandez would have liked to have been. That's for sure. But either way, these two ladies make uh, this week's points penalties MVP. And we're gonna move on to the NBA. Not a whole fuck of a lot going on in basketball on the hard court, except for the Hall of Fame class of 2021, uh, where they were inducted on Saturday. So just four months after the 2020 class, which had the likes of Kobe. Uh, inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame. The basketball community gathered again to induct that 2021 class. There were 16 new additions to the hall with a group of eight headliners. I'm just going to go over the eight headliners. Chris Bosh, we all know as former Raptor, who was a fourth overall pick in 2003 by the aforementioned Raps. He's a two-time NBA champion, uh, finals champion, 11-time All-Star, and an all-NBA rookie team. This guy definitely deserves to be in there. He played great for the Raps and played even better for the Heat. Yeah, one thing I love about Bosch is that um, that phantom elbow where he kind of, you know, took one off the chin and didn't even hit him and he hit the ground and the ref gave him that call. I mean, that was like fucking right. That's like acting 101 right there, Bosch. Love you, <laughs> bud. Uh, so next up, we had Chris Weber. He was the first overall pick in 93. He was the rookie of the year. Five-time All-Star and a five-time All-NBA selection. This guy was a Michigan product. Boom! Yeah, yeah! <laughs> I, I've always liked Chris Weber. He was a good, good pick, uh, good player. Uh, it's just unfortunate that uh, he never won a championship. Next up, Tony Kukoc of the Chicago Bulls. He's a three-time NBA champion with those Bulls. He was the sixth man of the year. Award winner in 95 96. It was, it was on the all rookie team in 93 94. He was a three time EuroLeague MVP and he was the MVP in the FIBA World Championships. See what happens when you can play along the god of basketball, what he can do for you. Yeah. Make you better. Yeah, you're not wrong on that one, bud. Now, Raptors' nemesis and a lot of people's nemesis. A lot of teams' nemesis, the Celtics, Paul Pierce, 10th overall pick in 1998. He's an NBA Finals champion, NBA Finals MVP, 10-time All-Star, NBA All-Rookie team, and he was once a three-point contest champion. Love him or hate him, I hate him. Yeah, I'm with you, Yosh. I'm not a huge fan of him, but he was a hell of a ball player. Great player, yeah. 
just hate him because he was really good. Yeah, hundred percent. And he, he played a lot against the Raptors, and we always had to see him, you know, destroy us in uh, in our early days and being shitty and whatnot. So, you know, good for Paul. Like I said, I am not a big fan of him, but good for him. Next up, Ben Wallace, Big Ben, uh, not the football player, Big Ben, uh, but Big Ben Wallace. He was an undrafted player. Uh, ended up playing a bunch of years for the Detroit Pistons. And he became one of the most dominant defensive big men ever to play the game. And this guy, if you had on your, had him on your team, you were uh, you're going to be a solid defensive team for a lot of years. So it's just unfortunate that the Pistons weren't that great during that uh, that time frame. They didn't do a whole lot to build around, and they had a couple good years, but nothing crazy. They were they were definitely the bad boys of basketball, though, man. I mean, they came up with Jordan rules. I mean, I'm not sure if this guy was one of them to do it, but. Guys. No, Ben Wallace is a little later than those guys. I was going to say, about. I don't think he was around when when Jordan was there. But a great uh, defensive player, nonetheless. I'm glad to see him and the Afro is in the uh, is in the hall now. Yeah, his iconic Afro. I didn't know he was undrafted though. That's wild. Yeah, that is it it is tough to be undrafted and let alone play in the NBA, but go to the Hall of Fame. That's crazy. It is for sure, man. For sure. And then we've got two WNBA players. We have Yolanda Griffith. She won a WNBA MVP. She won the WNBA Defensive Player of the Year Award, and she was WNBA Finals MVP. And Lauren Jackson, and she was the or is the first Australian player, man or woman, to be enshrined into the Hall of Fame, which is a pretty pretty cool for her and for the Aussies. And last but not least. The eighth headliner of the 16 going into the Naismith Hall of Fame is coach Bill Russell. And he is the fifth person to be inducted into the Hall of Fame as both a player and a coach. And he was also the first African-American coach to win a championship with the Celtics in 1968. This guy's got a bunch of rings. He's a hell of a player and evidently a hell of a coach. It's pretty cool to be only the fifth person ever. As, as both inducted into the Hall of the Player and a coach. That's pretty cool. Well, we know how amazing he is. Most rings for a player. And and then obviously as a coach getting that, I think I won a challenge on that earlier in the year. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy with Bill Russell helping me out right now as well. <laughs> That's going to do it for the NBA. Like I said, it was a pretty slow week. Let's uh, skate on over to the... NHL, Pete. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so the, not a ton of stories in the NHL either. Obviously, it's uh, off-season for NHL and NBA. But there's a few stories we can talk about. First of all, Zach Parise, after being bought out by the Minnesota Wild earlier this year, has signed with the New York Islanders. And the details of that deal have yet to be disclosed, which is odd for the NHL. Usually, the, the cap hit is available pretty much right away. But that probably has something to do with him reuniting with Lou Lamorello, who drafted him 17th overall in Jersey in 2003. And Lamorello has notoriously been very uh, hush-hush when it comes to media. So that's likely why we don't know the details of this deal. Uh, Because if someone spills it to the media, they'll probably get their Honda blown up or something. (laughs) Is there actual evidence of this? (laughs) You're just just talking shit? (laughs) Starting rumors, Peter. The, the mom never leaves any evidence. Yet. 
I'd, I'd be careful what you say then they might come after you then <laughs> yeah hopefully uh no one on the islanders is a listener or i might uh suddenly disappear from the show i'll be okay with that you're my main co- you're you're my main competition wow wow, wow. Whoa. Easy. i said disappear i never said die <laughs> That was implied. I wasn't implying it. <laughs> no, of course not. Man. I'm just totally joking. Oh, good buddy. So, yeah, Zach Parise with the New York Islanders. We'll see what the terms of that deal are one day. Another signing. The Flames have signed defenseman Eric Goodbranson to a one-year, $1.95 million deal. Goodbranson was originally drafted by the Panthers third overall back in the 2010 entry draft, but he has not lived up to that draft prestige. He's turned into uh, quite the journeyman. He's played for the Panthers, the Canucks, the Penguins, the Ducks, the Senators, and the Predators before now finally arriving in Calgary. So he's been sort of all over the league at this point, but he continues to uh, to have a job. So good for him. And we'll see uh, We'll see if he can uh, have some success in Calgary. I mean, this is a cheap deal, right? It's no big deal. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Just let him go at the yeah. end of the season. See you the fuck later. You sucked, or you know, or what a hell of a deal we got. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's probably the former more so than the latter, but we'll see. We'll see. You never know. Another signing that hasn't quite happened yet, but uh, is being promised to happen is Brady Kachuk. So Pierre Dorian is confident that restricted free agent Kachuk will be signed before camp starts on September twenty second, which is uh, just about a week and a half away from today. So that deal will probably be announced on the next episode, I would imagine. Maybe the one after, if DeRorian is to be trusted. And uh, that's going to be, obviously, a lot more money than either of these two deals we just talked about, as Chuck is a significantly better and younger player right now than those two. And uh, Dorian himself was just extended through the 24-25 season. So he'll be with the Senators for at least a few more years. He's a native of Ottawa, and he's doing a pretty good job through this rebuild with the Senators. They'll be, I think they'll be a team in contention by that time. By what time? The 2024? Yeah. Okay. Say what, like next year? What? (laughs) Well, they're they're on the up and up now. I don't think they'll make much noise this year, but you never know. But uh, they're going to start the proper trajectory upwards. And yeah, for sure, by 24-25 season, they'll be They'll be in contention, I think, for sure, for the playoffs, if not more. So Leafs winger Ilya Mikheyev allegedly asked for a trade following this past season, and the Leafs promptly told them that that was not going to happen. So they are not accommodating his trade request and believe he's an integral part of the team this season. Apparently, the issues that he had were his role and his ice time, and to the Leafs' point, that should both increase this season with the loss of Zach Hyman and not a ton of depth on left wing. Should be a good opportunity for McKayev to uh, have himself a year and establish himself into a high-end role with lots of minutes if he plays well enough. Do you think he'll end up being a top six forward here? I think he will probably end up playing in the top six, whether he actually would be considered a top six forward sort of caliber. We'll see. I don't necessarily know. He's, he's not a very good finisher. At least he hasn't been. And that might hurt him a little bit on the Leafs' top two lines. You obviously got the big four playing center and right wing on both lines. So the the other guy, and McKayev will probably fit well into one of those roles as the other guy, as he's a hard worker, fast skater, 
but he doesn't have the finish. So we'll see if he can hang on to that role, see if he can put some pucks in the net. And finally, keeping it on the Leafs, the trailer was released for the Amazon Prime All or Nothing series featuring the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, so that series is going to drop on October the 1st, which is just a few more weeks away. And it's five episodes talking about their last season and sort of an inside, behind-the-scenes look at players and coaches and the dynamics that were going on through the last season. We obviously know what happened. They had a strong regular season and then were promptly outed by the Montreal Canadiens. Jettisoned in the first round. In the first round again. Have you ever seen this before, anyone? No. The All or Nothing series? No. No. Yeah, they've done a few others. On, I think. I've watched a few NFL ones. They've done, I think Man City was on there as well. So they yeah. did go do a bunch of different sports, which is kind of cool. Now, <clears throat> I've only seen the football ones. I enjoy them. I think they're better than Hard Knocks, to tell you the truth. The only problem is with Hard Knocks, it's like you get to see like what happens like in the preseason. It's like it's bonus uh, video that you get to see. And it's only, you're only off by like a week or so, but the all or nothing is a full year. So you know what's going to happen, but yeah, yeah, it's just extra content being that it, that it was the year before and everything like that, but it still is. I like it. I think it's done well. Yeah. And the, uh, the Leafs one is going to be narrated by Will Arnett, who is uh, well known to be. It's fucking horrible. You don't like, I fucking hate you don't like Will Arnett? I fucking oh, hate I think he's hilarious. No, he's an idiot, man. All his jokes Why do you hate are him so, so much? Because his jokes are so stupid. Like. They're just dumb, man. This coming from the guy that like loves that joke. Yeah, that he doesn't like Will Arnett. Oh, I don't like Will Arnett at all, and I, I think he's just his voice is annoying. He's annoying, and <laughs> I just don't think he's funny, man. Holy oh, hater! Yeah, sounds almost personal. Yeah, man. There's something about him. I just I don't know. When I put my finger on it, I'll let you know. But I just don't like him. I like him. <laughs> I think he's funny. Yeah. I got nothing against Will Arnett, and he's known to be a good uh, Big Leaf fan. So, uh, yeah, let's see how he does narrating this old docu-series on the Leafs. Well, he's from Toronto, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Or greater Toronto area or something like that. Yeah. Sounds like Josh is not going to watch it, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll watch it on mute with fucking subtitles. (laughs) Close captioning. I just don't want to hear this guy's voice. Exactly, man. Oh, man. Well, that's all I have for the NHL. I have one to throw out there for the NHL, just saying about um, Evander Kane. If you've all haven't heard that this guy actually filed bankruptcy, how the hell do you file a file, whatever, file seven or whatever it is, the bankruptcy being paid the amount of money you're getting paid? Because they spend more money. They spend it more than. (laughs) But but here's the thing, though. I'm calling this guy the new Pete Rose of hockey. Because he's gambling on his own team. NHL is looking into it. He's now blaming his wife for ruining his career. His wife's not complying to the NHL in regards to this is truth or not. NHL needs more evidence in regards to getting him. The, but they don't believe him and what, what he's saying to the NHL. This is not true. Uh, he might actually not get an invite to this year's camp. Players don't like him in the room, which I like to call him a cancer. So... I just don't understand how a guy can make so much money and then gamble it all away on your own team. I mean, is your team winning when you're betting them to lose? Like, I don't get it, but yeah, 
blows my mind for the amount of money again these guys are making and this guy's filing bankruptcy. So there's actual evidence of him gambling on his own team? Yeah, that's what they're stating, yes. And that's why the NHL is looking into it. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure they can't do that. You definitely can't bet on your own team. Yeah. Even if it is like like for your team to win, I don't think you can do it. That's what's going on with him. I, I mean, I don't – it's all I got out of it. I mean, I was looking this stuff up at, the, at work, which I probably shouldn't have been doing, but I, I was doing it anyways. And this came across to me, and I was like going, huh, that's pretty interesting. Like, you know, you're saying you just don't understand how people spend that kind of money. And like with more money becomes more issues, you know, you buy more expensive shit and all of a sudden you're in over your head, you know, like he probably has a $15 million house that he's got to upkeep. Well, it's going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars a year, just an upkeep on a $15 million house. Right. That's that type of thing. And if you didn't figure that out and you didn't budget for it, that's how you get fucked right up, man. But gambling it to sit there and try and possible get money. Well, that's you know obviously if that's part of it is is it strictly gambling that has made him made him bankrupt? I doubt. No, I see. I I probably disagree with that. I think his his financial choices in general have put him into bankruptcy, not just betting on his own team or whatever. Oh, it could also be his bling bling wife that wants all the bells and whistles. That's part of it too, right? So. It's, yeah, it's a different lifestyle when you're making that kind of money, yeah, you know. Sure. You go for a night out on the town and you go with like five grand to spend. Exactly. No big deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or for guys like us, that'd be like 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, having somebody put into a, like a pretty situation of, um, oh, sorry, a shitty situation of filing bankruptcy, I can get involved into my crappy football league here. I'm not going to go into too depth of, uh, of it. But we still have the uh, Toronto is still on top with a three and two record, which uh, gives them six points. Montreal and Hamilton are the only are only two points behind uh, with a two and two record, which gives them four points. And we look at the uh, West. Winnipeg is absolutely destroying this division is on top with 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 a five and one record, which gives them 10 points. Saskatchewan and B.C. are four points behind with a three and two record. So essentially, the East sucks. Yeah. What else is new? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tennis news. Um, the Joker was actually going to try and, well, if he would have won, which he did not against uh, Medvedev, this guy. Uh, I think I had him in a penalty box for kicking the shit out of a... Cameraman, was it? wasn't it? Cameraman. No, it was a camera. It wasn't a cameraman. It was a camera. <laughs> so uh, he de- defeats the Joker. Um, but I was going to say that the Joker did win. It would have been the 21st overall and um, some kind of big grand slam of uh, the year, sort of sense. But that's it. And Medvedev just uh, takes that away from him. Um, I don't know if this puts Medvedev now in number one spot because I think Josh, you challenged me once before in regards to him as a number one, which he was not. So this, this may put him back into number one. Um, this guy is a def- definitely a character. He enjoys the booze. He increases the booze. To, Come on, just boo me. I love the booze. Because this guy is definitely a character. Uh, Canadian soccer, we've got going on. Um, was it tied uh, Honduras and USA and beat El Salvador 3-0? Uh, puts them in good shape to make the World Cup in a, in a, a quarter next year. That's pretty cool. For us to be able to get back there in soccer, 
When did, when was I, the last time? Does anybody know the last time Canada was in the World Cup? Yeah, it was like yeah, eighties. I think he said. Wow, yeah. that's when you guys were all born, kind of area, right? Yeah, before me and Pete, for sure. We were like barely scraped into the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I was there in the eighties. Well, I was time. definitely, I was definitely running around in the eighties. That's for sure. Being an absolute hellion. Okay, but just before we move on here, I want to jump back into the men's tennis. Uh, you know, we talked about the ladies and the Canadian uh, Fernandez, but we also had a young eighteen-year-old uh, man in the semifinals. I uh, lost to the uh, lost to Medvedev. Um, I'm probably going to butcher his name here. I know his first name is Felix, so that's an easy one. Augur LSM, is that it? Okay, so he he lost uh, to Medvedev, and it wasn't a, a great match for him, but uh, to be 18, again, just as, uh, as exciting and just as good of, of accomplishment as uh, as the ladies um, to basically doing the same thing. So I just wanted to give Felix a shout-out there. Like, we, uh, we didn't miss you, bud. We didn't miss you. No, as he was out there fighting – to get them, you know, up into that area. Cause these are, these are again, kids that are going to sit there and start dominating this. And uh, that, that fight that he did against Medvedev is probably nothing going to compare to the UFC. That's the, the fights that are coming up. Uh, now I'm only going to go through like, the, we have some fight nights. I'm only going to give off the base, um, the highlight fight. And I'm sure there's other fights beyond them, but for our fight night on October 2nd, we have Santos versus Walker which is going to be a definitely damn good fight. Um, on October 9th, another fight night. We have um, Duran versus Rodriguez. Um, fight night on uh, October uh, 16th. This one's going to be a definitely good one. These are some women fighting. Um, Viviera against Tate. Um, fight night on um, October 23rd. Costa versus Vieto. Sorry, Vittoria. I think that's how it says. Um, and then we have the big one, the um, 267. We have um, Bakwa. <laughs> Bakwatch Vizik. I don't know how to say this guy's name, man. Against Textera. <laughs> I think it's Blakovitz. Blakovitz? Blakovitz. Blakovitz. And Teixeira. Teixeira. October 30th. Um, Sorry, um, the UFC 268 is going to be um, Usman versus um, Covington, second. So this is going to be a double, you know, they fought before, obviously before. This one's going to be a definitely good match as well. And that's going to happen there on November 6th. Uh, if we now just want to roll into our penalty boxes here. Uh, Pedro, what do you have? Yeah, Kev, I got a bit of a funny one this week. Um, so there's uh, at Talking Yanks on Twitter, uh, which I don't know too much about these guys, but they're they're verified, and I think they do like either a YouTube channel or podcast or something. I don't know, whatever. They talk Yankees baseball, and they tweeted a picture of the score of the Jays Orioles game. This is fresh off the Jays sweeping the Yankees in a series. To uh, to come, I think that brought them within a half game back of the Yankees for the wild card spot. Uh, and they 
tweeted a picture of the score of 10-5 Baltimore on the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday with the caption that the Blue Jays have decided they don't want to make the playoffs after all. Your move at Yankees. Basically saying the Jays are shitting the bet against the Orioles. Yankees go win a few games and you'll make the playoffs. What are you going to do? And of course, right after this tweet was sent out, the Jays came back to win that game 11-10, scoring the next six runs in a row. And win the other two games against Baltimore to close out that series. They ended up outscoring Baltimore after this tweet. 39 to 9. That's awesome. (laughs) That's amazing. That is just outrageous. And I don't know how much time you guys spend on Twitter, but a good follow to have is uh, Old Takes Exposed. Freezing Cold Takes basically retweets things like this where somebody has a terrible cold take and uh, comes back to bite them. There were lots today about like picking the Bills to win. The entire broadcast crew or whatever, picking the bills to win and none of them being yeah. right, obviously. <laughs> that kind of thing. It's good for, uh, always good for a laugh. Well, there was a bunch today with all talking the next. Uh, upsets that happened yeah. in football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, exactly. just, just to go with that Saturday, I believe the Jays didn't even get a hit until the seventh inning and they just came rallying back. Yeah, I think you're right. Just crazy. Down yeah. 10 nothing, just come right all the way back. Go ahead. Goes to show you there. There is a worse bullpen than the two years. So anyway, that's my box talking Yanks on Twitter for a garbage take that the Jays seems like they took the heart and uh came roaring back to win you know, three games. I wonder if the uh, like at Blue Jays ever responded or replied to that that tweet with you know maybe a picture of the final score or something like that. <laughs> that or a picture of the wild yeah. card spots now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know if the Blue Jays did, but I'm sure that many other people did. Anyway, Josh, who's in your box this week? All right, so I have former Major League pitcher Mike Montgomery. He now plays in the uh, Korean baseball organization, and he hit an umpire with a rosin bag and had to be restrained by teammates after being ejected from a game on Friday. (laughs) So So Montgomery, who pitches for the Samsung Lions, was ejected after being warned by umpires about the league's 12-second pitch rule. As he's being guided toward the dugout, he charged toward the umpire as he was being restrained by teammates. He then fired the rosin bag at the back of the umpire who was talking to the Lions manager. Montgomery was then ushered to the dugout where he removed his jersey and threw it out in the field before heading to the clubhouse. 32-year-old left, he last appeared in the majors with the Royals in 2020. He signed a $450,000 deal with the Lions this season. He was one and two with a 5.65 ERA in six straight starts, or sorry, in six starts entering Friday's game. And he opted out of a minor league deal with the Yankees prior to this season and joined the KBO uh, in hopes of getting back to the majors. In his six seasons in the pros, Montgomery was 23 and 34 with a 3.84 ERA, the Mariners, Cubs, and Royals. This guy's not great, you know, like 
He's not even 500. And he's out here throwing fucking rosin bags at all players. <laughs> so unfortunately, I couldn't find, I just I just read this article. I couldn't find a video of it. Because oh. I'm sure it would have been fucking hilarious to get probably the big old white fucking stain on the back of Umpy's fucking <laughs> the dust poof. The dust, exactly. <laughs> it would have been fucking hilarious, but <laughs> So I'm pretty sure that Mike Montgomery is not coming back to the fucking bigs anytime soon after a explosion like that. Like you gotta, you know, get your shit together. If you're trying to make it back to the big leagues, you can't be doing that shit, but I thought it was pretty funny that he hucked a fucking rosin bag at him. That is, that is pretty funny. And like uh, Kev said, I would love to just see like all the, the chalk go everywhere. And <laughs> Oh yeah. It'd be like, like when LeBron does at the beginning of his games, he throws all the chalk up in the air. It'd be the same fucking type of thing. Oh, so Mike Montgomery for fucking rosin bags. You're in my penalty box. <laughs> uh, let's stick with some baseball here. Still, Kev, who do you got? I got Gary Sanchez. Um, I guess it was in the uh, Subway Series where he botched an easy tag at home plate on the first inning on the Friday night against the Mets. Sanchez um, opened a sliding lane for the Mets third baseman. Uh, Jonathan Villar. Um, he tried to score on a single from the Mets second baseman, Javier Baez, to left field. Yankees left fielder Joe Gallows. I'm telling you, man, this guy threw like a laser beam down into home plate, which gave like 25 feet that Villar had to the back catcher, Gal, I'm sorry, the back catcher of um, Sanchez. Now, I know there's been some rule changes in regards to this um, covering the plate deal, but I'm telling you, man, this guy had 25 feet to sit there and tag this guy out. All he had to do is take a couple steps in and just sit there and put his arms out just to touch him. I mean, even if he was going to like the, the, the kind of sideswipe or get out of the way, he still would have had to play because he was above him. It was a great to run at the guy, man. He got 25 fucking feet. <laughs> but no, man. This guy slides, slides in the home. He was first counted um, as out because um, Sanchez basically hit his um, cap. They go to review it. No, man, this guy slid in uh, safe. Foot cross home plate, touched hit the helmet, safe. I just, just, you guys saw the picture, how far away this guy was when he had the ball. It's just, there's no way. There's no way this guy should have been safe. <laughs> but yeah, man. Slides in safe. It was unbelievable. He was it's pretty just... far away from the plate. I'm very, I mean, I'm not surprised that Gary Sanchez fucked it up, but I am surprised that a pro player could fuck this up. Like, I mean, like, that's exactly what I'm, I'm thinking too. I'm like, I can only see Gary Sanchez as the only catcher that will probably do this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure a rookie could be, would make this tag. Like, we could have made this I tag, man, if the guy's tag, 25 right? feet away from us. <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> But yeah, unbelievable. It just blew my mind when I saw the distance, when I saw the guy have that ball in hand to where <laughs> to where the uh, the base runner was, man. It's just fucking mind-boggling. Unbelievable. But that's why I shoved in my box. Sanchez, you may be a good batter, man, but your defensive play sucks. It's kind of what you take He's with. not even that good of a batter. You take the offense yeah. with the shitty defense. Well, Jesse, who do you got going in your penalty box? So I got Dalvin Cook. 
who had a pretty good game today, minus the fact he blew the game here, and my lock pick, that asshole. I would have been 1-0. <laughs> but he ended up fumbling in overtime at the Cincinnati 38-yard line and losing it. Now, if you've seen the replay or not, you can't really tell if it was a fumble or not, but it was called a fumble on the field, and there's no evidence to overturn it. So it's a fine call by the refs, I think. Like, they could go, you could flip a coin on this. Um, but yeah, like, you got to protect the ball better when you're in the opponent's zone and you all you need is a field goal to win because there was, I think, there was less than three minutes left in the game. In, in overtime, sorry. And you need to be able to, to make that play or at least hold on to it. And like maybe 38 yards, there's still, I don't, I can't remember how long of a field goal that is. I think it's over 50, but it's, it, you still got to work towards, like, even if the play is dead for no gain, which that this was, you need to hold on to that ball. That's a crucial time to lose the ball and this is where wins become losses when you do dumb dumb shit like that and it ended up being that uh the Bengals after the turnover went down the field and kicked the uh, 34 yard field goal to win the game and to screw up my lock of the week <laughs> if this wasn't your lock of the week would it have been your penalty box uh probably not it's, def- it's definitely biased <laughs> for sure yeah. But but uh, I feel it's necessary for this, for how badly everyone did. Like, we picked terribly. Like, there's blowouts for each one of us except for mine, but it was still hey, it was still bad. Winning, winning is winning. doesn't matter if you win by an inch or You're mile, right. Jesse. You're right. And that's what I was saying. That's why he's in my box, man. Like, he, he, he had a chance to win this game for, for the Vikings. And they need this because it's a tight NFC North, right? Yosh? I mean, apparently, we're all going to fucking lose the first game. <laughs> the Bears are down 10 nothing. So, yeah. So, I I agree with you, Jess, on the fact that Kel- Cook needs to hang on to this ball, but at, when I saw the replay, I thought he was down. To me, it looks like his ass hits the ground and the ball's not out. Obviously, it's not clear, so you have to go with the, the right. ball on the field, but my my eyes saw that, and I was the same way. But like I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of having refs in here, so I didn't want to put them in there. So I put Dalvin Cook in. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I would have put the fucking I know refs you in there, man. <laughs> and also, you don't like the three point line, man. Oh my right? god! <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> not one bit. Move that fucker back. Anyways, Pete. Take us through the store, the scores. Well, just the one challenge you. today. Bit of a gift from Josh, <laughs> I think. But uh, that is what it is. It's uh, Jesse plus one, Josh minus one on uh, whether or not Waddle had a touchdown today. If I would have just waited like 10 seconds, I would have saw that he got a touchdown <laughs> and would a challenge, but then we'd all be getting a minus one. So I saved you guys. You're welcome. But Thanks for would, letting him waddle his way into the fucking touchdown, bud. That's that awesome. Still be closer to Jesse with the minus <laughs> one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so on that note, uh, Peter is at plus seven on the season. Kev sitting at minus 11. 
You. I'm guessing moves up to you. plus 11. Fucking guy. Mostly from a fucking washer house tournament. It was a good tournament. <laughs> Josh. <laughs> Josh drops to minus six. And Graham is a minus two and Delina is minus seven. We'll see if those guys can ever make it back on the show to give us more points. Well, they might lose some points next week if you guys are going golfing. Yeah, man. They might. Jesse, yeah. you, might not, you might not actually get know, a minus I'm fucking one if you play it, these but... guys. You'll get a zero. <laughs> you, you'll be okay with hey, I have zero. a chance at a plus one. <laughs> oh, fuck me, you do. And, uh, that's, that's fair. It's... Yeah, it'll be uh, me, Jesse, Graham, and Deline out on the golf course with a few uh, others. This... I would like to sit there and put out the, the rank on how it's going to run. It's going to be yourself, Graham, Jesse, Deline. Well, I appreciate the vote of confidence there, Kev. No worries, buddy. Because even with a bum knee, man, I'd still kick. Apparently, your you're not playing though. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't. I don't think you would because you got a. I think I still disqualification because no show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's minus five if you get yeah. DQ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that is our scores. Why don't we get into how our drinks were? Why don't we start with you, Kev? How was your drink today? Well, I'm already three into the Alpine, so it's not too shabby. But, I mean, it's fine. It's good. I don't mind a, a moose head. It's pretty decent. Again, you got to change the uh, the logo in my mind, like the can itself. I mean, it's just too blah. Is it, for me. is it still a lager? Like, what's is it, what's what was the percentage on it? Well, you, now you want me to look at that, eh? Well, I mean, <laughs> we always do. It's a five percent, five percenter, huh? And so, is it a lager? Is it an ale? Because the regular moosehead is a lager. So, I'm just trying to figure out what this alpine is all about. No, it doesn't. Just all it says is uh, frequently independent. So. Oh, it says great outside and oh my god, the thing's all gray, man. I can't see it. Getting old. Get some more light says, in there. Uh, get outside and he was getting old 20 years ago. Reconnect with a beer that's as real as it gets. That's all it says, man. It says it's uh, since 1937. 5%. Moosehead. That's what I got. Pedro, how was yours, bud? Yeah, thanks, Kevin. My Danforth Brewery Viaduct IPA. Uh, it was good. It's uh, 6%. It's a citrusy beer. But uh, it's not too hot. A lot of citrus flavor coming out of it. It's pretty good stuff. I would uh, certainly have it again, and it's from Randy Aaron Perona. It's good stuff. Jesse. How was your drink? My ranked over was okay. I don't really prefer <laughs> the habanero spicy in my beer. The I believe the mango and pineapple, which I'm not a huge fan of pineapple, but it that was fine. But I just I don't like the spicy flavor for a beer. But that's just me. What I what I would love to see is if you can bring one of those. And Josh brings one of his beers, and we get Kevin to drink each of them. <laughs> Next time we're together, I will def. I'll definitely get the habanero one for him then. 
Yeah, I'll see if I can find this one. If not, I'll get fucking Sparkle Puff from uh, <laughs> from Fly Monkey. And then, and then record it, because I think that would yeah. be actually even better. Yeah. I think that'd be fun to see. Kev's yep. reaction to those beers. I already, I already feel that reaction already, man. <laughs> I'm not liking it. Yeah, I, I just... I thought it'd be... I love spicy food, but drinking spicy, not a fan of. <laughs> I don't even mind drinking spicy and like yeah, Caesar. See, I don't like Caesars right. either, though. Spice, a spicy beer, that's 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 odd. Yeah. That is very odd. It's it's probably my first bad beer that I've had on here. So not bad, but like just not my not my cup of tea. Uh so yeah, it was I tried to go for the win this week with 6.9, but Yosh decided to lost. just crank it up. And have his, uh, I think you said 8%. How was that? 8.5, bro. Had to Um, step it up after I dominated him last week. Yeah. (laughs) Dominated. Just destroyed me by 0.3. With my (laughs) 4.5. Yeah. (laughs) So this week's binary system double IPA from Sawdust City Brewing out of Gravenhurst was uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, it did get better as you drank through it, but the first uh, couple sips, I was like, "Holy fuck! I don't know if I'm gonna be able to drink this." But uh, as I said, I as you take a few drinks and uh, you know, gets a little better. Says that it's got uh, herbal herbal tropical flavors, melded with spicy pine notes, juicy hops, a silky body, and a luscious finish. And I mean, I don't know if it was silky, but it was all right. It was all right. And I would definitely get this again just based on that 8.5% because, uh, you know, with my other two backup beers, I'm doing pretty good right now. Feeling pretty good. Josh is lit. As as the kids say. Yeah, not quite, but we're we're getting there. We're getting there. And that's it. Uh, That's it for my beer. Like I said, I'll uh, I'll try and find this one again for Kev next, uh, next Saturday. We're all getting together, so We'll uh, we'll have to get Kev one of these double IPAs and a mangoey fucking habanero-y <laughs> pineapple drink, and we'll see what he likes better. Um, well, I have to make a choice of which one's better. Yeah. Yep. And you have to finish them both. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and they're tall boys. Cool. <laughs> Come on. Can't you find me like a little small glass? Can we? Can we like share it? You know, I just cut it in half. I mean, put no. a little glass for me or something. I don't we think could, so. we could, but no. <laughs> All right, I hope this. You have to drink one of them, whatever one is your, whatever one you prefer. You have to drink that one. I mean, which whatever which one I can tolerate, right? And right. then whoever doesn't, if you choose Jesse's, then I got to drink the binary system. If All you right. choose the binary system, you Jesse's got to drink the habanero one. And Pete, you Good better enough. get in on this too. Fucking find a gross one. Kev I can bring. Kev I can, can bring. try it. I can bring a viaduct IPA. <laughs> no, you said it was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I like a lot of IPAs. Yeah, you love them. We know that. Just kidding. All right, Jens, that's going to do it for today. Not a huge day on the challenges because everybody else here is a fucking bitch, Ooh. except for me. <laughs> Uh, I'm not gonna call Jesse a bitch because he won and beat me. So but he didn't do shit. He just <laughs> all right. He's a bitch too. <laughs> Fuck him. 
I wish I could play. Yeah. <laughs> wish I could play golf uh, against you guys uh, again next Saturday, but uh, that is not going to happen for me. Would be nice because I could use those two fucking points, but <laughs> not happening this time around for me. So I've got uh, other other engagements, but I will be uh, I will be around for the after party. So that'll be uh, that'll be good, and we'll make sure Kev gets some spicy beers into him. And <laughs> all right, you know, you know I'm always down to party. Well, we do know That's that. Sure. We do know that. That's for sure. So for everyone here at Points of Penalties, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay stay out out of the the penalty penalty box. box.